Welcome to Almost Live, a podcast from before podcasting existed, where real life is stranger than fiction. I'm your host, Aphrodite. Welcome to Almost Live, a podcast from before podcasting existed, where real life is stranger than fiction. I'm your host, Aphrodite. Welcome to episode 12, the three-word exercise. This is a little different from a normal episode. After mentioning this mindfulness exercise on Mastodon, I thought it might be nice to share it and see if it helps anyone else. This was shared by a friend of mine that's training to be a therapist. I don't know the provenance of this exercise or if she came up with it herself, but she's a friend. She offered this idea to me in a time of crisis, and it seemed to help, so I'm offering it to anyone that wants it or needs it. This is where the obligatory disclaimers come in. I'm sharing something that worked for me. There's no guarantee this will help anyone else. Your mileage may vary. If this doesn't work for you, that's perfectly okay. Don't stress about it. I'm also going to be very explicit about one other detail. This is an effort at manipulation. I want to help change how you see things if only in the moments you choose to try this exercise, but more on that at the end of the episode. The three words in question are short declarative sentences. The sentences all start in a similar way. This is, I am, you are. The objective is to use those stubs plus exactly one more word to describe your current situation. This is a very deliberate construction, since to describe a state with exactly one word is both a challenge and explicitly does not allow the word not to enter into the equation. This is is used to describe your perception or feeling about something present in your current location. Ideally, this should be something physically in your area, at least when first learning how to do this. To be clear, this is meant to describe your perception, how one of your senses is perceiving the object, or how you emotionally feel about the object. For example, if there's a golf ball in your hand, you could say, this is white. This is dimpled. This is hard. If you're eating an apple, you could say, this is sweet. This is red. This is gritty. The second phrase is, I am. Similar to the first exercise, this is meant to express your perceptions or emotions in that moment. If you haven't eaten in a while, you might say, I am hungry. If you bang your knee on your desk, you might say, I am hurting. As I mentioned before, the three-word exercise is specifically designed to exclude the word not. The goal is a neutral reframing of the situation, not positive, not negative, though it is easy to see how one could think it's just to make one think happy thoughts. Explicitly, that is not the goal. If my back is surging in pain, I am uncomfortable. If I can't think clearly because I'm tired or I'm in an altered state, I am fuzzy or I am confused. The final words are, you are. Again, this is about your perceptions and emotions regarding the person you're speaking to. This is not about thinking what the other person is thinking. This is explicitly to pull yourself away from trying to get into their head by focusing on yours. An important set of phrases in conversation that are a part of this exercise are so powerful few use them. These phrases have an astonishing ability to change your situation. The first such phrase is, I am wrong. It's hard to admit fault. Insurers tell us never to do so if we're in a car accident, for example. We always want to be right. But there are real-world reasons why this particular phrase has power. The core is that this is 
an admission of openness. It's an admission of fault and possibly guilt. But that acknowledgement has healing power behind it. This isn't just metaphorical, by the way. Doctors who admit fault in malpractice cases and work to remediate the harms they caused face two-thirds fewer lawsuits, and settlements are lower in dollar figures than if a doctor stands and fights. Lawyers who admit to messing up a client's case administratively, say, missing filing deadlines with the court, face fewer sanctions and lower payouts than those who stand and fight. The second phrase is even harder to say than the first. It's, you are right. If you're in an argument, you're building up a head of steam, you believe you have the power of God and anime on your side, your arguments are founded in science and logic and fact and truth, and your opponent, doesn't matter how much you care about them normally, they're your adversary at this point, says something that is correct. If you are genuine about wanting to converse and not argue, acknowledge that point. You are right. No one sees that coming. It disarms in a way nothing else can. People think they're right to, but to receive that acknowledgement? But this isn't a surrender. This is cooling down. This allows you to add on to their correct statement, point out the limits, the contradictions, the paradoxes. It snuffs out the fire and lets some oxygen return to the room. It's very easy to see why there are people that have concerns over something like this. I engage in de-radicalization work as a hobby. Yes, I have weird hobbies, but they're hobbies until I get paid to do them. I'm very conscientious that there are techniques and tricks cult-like organizations use to stop thought, for example. And this exercise can be so exploited in people that aren't aware of the how and the why of it. Mindfulness gets a bad rap because often it's sold as a way to pretend bad stuff isn't happening around us. When a company promotes mindfulness as a way to try to obfuscate how much their employees are being screwed by the C-suite, that's legitimately misusing this tool. Saying to be a mindful individual instead of working to develop societal solutions for global problems is, in my opinion, a new age and irreligious reframing of how the wealthy propped up the gospel of wealth in the Great Depression to discourage the poor and suffering from contemplating socialism in the USA. This is a historical fact, by the way. It's the difference between a willing suspension of disbelief in a stage magic show and thinking the alleged wizard in the street can levitate on a stick. Coming in, I'm explicit that I'm trying to manipulate you to see things a certain way. But I'm also explicit that I'm not doing this for my benefit beyond whatever anyone throws at my Ko-Fi to help me feed the bills and pay the cat. And if no one does so, I'll muddle through like I seem to be able to. The CEO, the cult leader, the alleged wizard that claims to be supernatural, they're doing this to manipulate for their own benefit. I'm presenting this as a tool to try and increase awareness of your situation at the present moment, Whenever that present moment is, it's a hammer. You can build a house or smash a window. What you choose to do with it is out of my control. I hope for more homes to be built, though. If anything, my rent is obscene. It has been a bit of a learning curve for me to get the podcast sounding closer to how I want them to. So thanks for anybody that's stuck around through this. I'm probably going to go back and re-record some older episodes so they sound a little easier on the ears now that I have a setup, hardware, everything that seems to be working fine for me at this point in time. I also would appreciate support through the Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash almost live. A couple bucks would help. Like I said, I would appreciate help with paying the cat and feeding the bills. Finally, the full script for this episode is going up on cohost.com slash graphical. 
that will probably change in the near future to a proper domain name, but right now I'm working through a lot of stuff in my life outside of this, which makes the little things like getting the domain locked down very tricky. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.